But tonight, if you have your Bibles, I would like to turn to a familiar passage. Well, hopefully it's familiar. If you're not familiar with what the cross is, in all seriousness, raise your hand and I'll completely change the message because if someone doesn't in here doesn't know and understand what Jesus did for you, I will take the time to explain it to you and so will any other minister in this building. So if you don't know what the message of the cross is, then I, just raise your hand and we'll, I'll stop this, I'll change everything and we'll tell you about who Jesus is and what he did for you. But if you have your Bibles, if you could stand for the reading of the word, I'd like to turn to John 20, and I'll start in verse 24. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus. This is after Mary and, Mar Mary and, and Jesus' mother Mary and other disciples have seen Jesus, and the, 12 well, the 11 disciples have seen Jesus, but Thomas hasn't yet. And starting in verse 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve who was called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he missed the opportunity when Jesus came when they're all together. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his, his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, and the doors having been shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. He had to say, Peace be unto you, because he walked through a wall. If somebody walks through a wall tonight, I'm going to be pretty shocked. And you probably will be too, but I'll probably get pretty scared if I'm being honest. And I hope they say, Peace be unto me. But starting into 27, it said, Then he said to Thomas, Place your finger here and see my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. And do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And for a moment tonight, if I could have your attention as you're seated, I would just like to talk on the topic, the testimony of the stars. You know, I often feel bad for Thomas in Scripture because we... You know, he made one mistake that got written down, and forever he's been known as a doubter. Thomas was the doubter, and I, and I don't believe personally that Thomas was a doubter. You know, I believe he was probably using the worst thing sometimes that we have and using his logical mind, thinking, no, I've seen Jesus die, and if I don't see him again, I, I can't believe it because I, I watched him suffer. I heard of the things that were happening and we often think that the other disciples were so believing, but in Matthew, it actually says they refused to believe. When the news came to them that Jesus was re resurrected, the other 11 disciples refused to believe that. So I, I feel bad for Thomas. And if you look into extra biblical history, you can see that Thomas went, and did, went on and he did a mighty work in Asia. And not that, like, this is all extra biblical, so it might just be, it might be wrong. You never know with history. History is never fully factual or fully accurate. It's always written on the side of the victor or written on somebody's perspective. So it's never fully 100%. One plus one equals two. But some historians speculate that when Jesus appeared to the other 11 disciples that he was out looking for the resurrected Savior, that he was remembering potentially the words that Jesus said, that I will rise again. And because he wasn't able to find him, he said, no, I cannot believe this because I've been searching, and I've been searching, and I still have not found him. But when Jesus came back, Thomas's request was an unusual request. I've never wanted to stick my hand in somebody's wound. I never wanted to ever shove my hand in somebody's side. But I guess if that's what it takes to believe for Thomas, then that's what it took. But when Jesus came and he showed him, Thomas, this, this is the stars in my hand. This is the stars in my side. This is the stars on my feet. You know that I am he. The testimony of the stars could not lie. There was no other debate on who this was. This was Jesus. They knew him before and they knew him when he was crucified. They didn't have deep fakes like we do today that you can edit pictures online and, and find and, and make yourself look like a celebrity. That didn't happen in those days. There was only one man that looked like this and there was only one man who looked like this and had these stars and had this reputation. And when he showed them the stars, 
There is no debate about it. And see, that's the powerful thing about our testimony, is that some people can debate this. Some people can say that the Bible is false. But what nobody can look at you and tell you that is false is the testimony of what Jesus brought you through. Nobody can look at you and tell you the resurrection power is not real and your testimony is a lie because you walk through it. And when you have the testimony of the stars, you have the proof that you did it and you were there and that Jesus is true. And scar tissue refers to a, a thick, fibrous tissues that take the place of healthy ones that were damaged by being cut or by being opened in an unnatural way. And it comes from wounds and things that hurt. No time has anybody ever, ever had a scar that, you know, it was probably a pleasant thing to go through. It's always, there's always an amount of pain that you have to work through. But scar tissue can be on the outside and also can be on the inside. Does anybody have any stars in here tonight? Does anybody have any funny stories of some stars? I remember one time when I was in elementary school, I was in kindergarten to be exact. Nobody in my grade had jumped to the fifth monkey bar. And there was no one who did it. And if you did it, you were automatically one of the cool kids because only the kids in grade one and two could do it. And I was on recess one day and I decided in my mind, if I've jumped to the fourth monkey bar, I can jump to the fifth, and then I'll be cool like the rest of the cool kids. I'll be awesome, and I'll, I'll be among the elite. There will be no more, you know, nobody to hang out with on recess for James. There will be no more playing hopscotch on my own. If I jump to the fifth monkey bar, all my answers all my problems have been answered. Every, every negative thing of school has now been fixed because I'm going to be up here. So at my playground at my elementary school, the, there, was a little, there was a little ramp. It probably sat six inches to a foot off the ground. And, and I, I finally worked up the nerve, and it was probably the last five minutes of recess. And I sat on that thing the whole day, and I was like, if I can just jump to the fifth one, all my problems are solved. And then they started calling everybody to come inside and line up. Because in my elementary school, we all lined up by grades and we walked back to our class. And when I heard that last, that last call to go line up, I said, i got to do it now. And if I do it now and nobody sees, I can come back outside and do it at lunch. And everybody will love me and I'll be awesome. So I positioned myself right on the edge of it and I was staring at it. And I, and I stood there, and if I hadn't stood there, I, probably, I might have made it, but I stood there for so long, and I, and I was shaking. I was sitting there. I was ready to jump, and finally I worked up the nerve to jump, and I jumped. And as soon as I jumped, my buddy Nathan ran this way to go get in line, and he smoked my head, and I was just spinning like a helicopter, and just boom, and I landed. And I thought I was okay. But I just looked up, and I seen Nathan, and he was freaking out. He's like, James, 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 there's blood all over you. There's blood all over you. What am I going to do? And he was just losing his mind, thinking there's blood everywhere. There's blood all over James's face. James is going to die. And, of course, I'm five years old at the time. So when he tells me my head is cracked open, I freak out. Automatically, I, I look like this, and there's blood. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And I, and I took off. I was running, and I ran to the line. And I was like, Mrs. Harris, Mrs. Harris, I'm dying. My head is cut wide open. I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then she finally calmed me down, and she told me, James, the cut on your head is only about an inch big. You don't have to worry. It's just a, it's just a little cut here. But it was, it was pretty deep. So... I spent the, the next hour waiting for my parents to get off work so I could go get stitches. And as a five-year-old, I wasn't sure what stitches were. And then, so I, I began asking my kindergarten teacher, what are stitches? And she began explaining weird scenarios that were just frightening to me, like my grandmother knitting a sweater and my head was going to be knit, knitted up. So I just pictured this big, ugly knitting on my on my head that was going to stick out like a bulge and then she said well it might be deep so they might staple your head <laughs> I was thinking oh my goodness they're going to staple my head I, I, I thought I was going to die I was like this is the end of the end and I'm only in kindergarten all I wanted to do was be cool that's it and I remember asking I was like 
Are people going to like me when I have a star on my head? Are people going to think I'm weird when I have a star on my head? And, I, and we went, and she tried to calm me down, but I wasn't calming down. And then we finally got to the hospital, and to make matters worse, the person who was operating or stitching up my head, it was, it's only a little cut. Anybody can see it after church. It, it's, it's this big. And it took her 45 minutes to an hour to do. And she never froze me. And I remember repeatedly she kept on looking down asking me, does it hurt? And I said, yes, it hurts. And she said, no, it doesn't. Don't be foolish. And I was thinking, yes, it does. It does. It hurts a lot. It hurts really bad. You're sticking a needle into my head. And then to top it off, in the middle of the thing, she finally got the first stitch in. And then she left when the, when the needle was still in my head doing the second stitch. She left to take her 25-minute phone call. So I was just sitting there looking at this light, thinking, God, this is how it ends. I'm ready to see the bright light, and I don't, I don't know what's happening. And I was sitting there, and my mom was freaking out at this point, and my dad was trying to calm my mom down, and because my mom was freaking out, I was thinking, I am really dying because my mom is upset, and my mom never gets upset. And finally, she ended up coming back, and about half an eternity later, it felt like, my head finally had four stitches in it. And that's all it took was four stitches. But I was so worried about this star that I would have and about, you know, my friends were going to make fun of me because I didn't make it to the fifth monkey bar. Nobody's going to like me because I, I didn't make it. But I went back, and they couldn't deny that I tried it because I had the star to prove it. I, they, they said, no, you didn't try that. And I said, yes, I did. You can even ask Nathan. And so finally they convinced me. They said, well, if you tried it before, try it now or we're not going to believe you and we're not going to be your friend anymore and we're going to leave you on the wall. Because when, we we when we got in punishment in my elementary school, our big punishment was to go stand on the wall of the school and watch all the other kids have fun. So we just sit there and we try to sneak off the wall, but then we get in trouble and send to the principal's office. But finally I worked up the nerve again to go back and I made sure nobody was coming this time. I had my friends standing on both sides of me, so nobody was headhunting me this time. There was no taking me out, and I was ready to go. And I wish the story still got funnier, but I jumped, and I made it this time. And nobody in my popularity never increased. All of my other friends just realized they could probably do it too, and then they all did it. And so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't this big elaborate thing for me, and I, I, was, I was kind of like let down, like, why? Why am I not famous now? Why does not everybody want my autograph now? Everybody with a broken arm should be coming and asking me to sign their cast right now. But nobody was. But sometimes we, we get into these situations where we make a mistake and we wonder why we made that mistake or wonder why or what the outcome of that mistake will be. You know, we'll, we'll go and we'll be living for God. And, you know, we, we have good intentions. We come to youth rallies. We come to youth convention. We come to youth explosion, youth retreat. We go to youth nights and we get all high in the Holy Ghost as we feel it all around us. And, and we make these, God, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and pray every day an hour for you. I'm, I'm going to give $2,000. I'm going to sell everything that I own. And while that may be a nice goal or a good achievement to have up here, you're probably not going to sell everything you own. You might. But it's, or you get in this time, I'm going to go tell all my friends about Jesus. And then they come and they ask you to go to a party. And you're like, yeah, sure, I will. You know, I, I was at church the other day, but yeah, sure, I'll go. Or sometimes you have mistakes that they're not even your fault. They're not even, you never even caused them. You know, life just dealt you a bad hand to say. Life just has been doing you wrong. Life just, you know, it, 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 it's just going wrong. And we've been in that situation kind of for the past year. They told us it was two weeks to flatten the curve. And, you know, we're, we're still in that, that undesirable quarantine lockdown. But... You know, I, I trust our medical professionals know what they're doing, and I trust our God knows what he's doing. But sometimes we get in these situations, these problems, these mistakes, these undesirable circumstances, and we wonder, what is the outcome of this? 
What is going to happen after this? Is my youth group going to see me the same once they know this thing about me? Are, are people going to think about me the same if they, if they know what I've done or, or they know where I come from? And I understand that worry. When I came to Bible school, I was, I was fresh out of the world. I was in the church for two months. Brother Scott, you weren't there, but I don't know why they let me in. They, they, I, wasn't a, I, wasn't the person, I wasn't the qualified candidate that I should have been, but I was nervous. Saying, what are they going to think when they realize I have so many stars? What are they going to think when they realize that I come from nothing? What are they going to think when they realize that I've done wrong? And I quickly learned that not everybody chooses to see your past. Yes, there are some people that will choose to see the mistake. They will choose to see the wrong. They will choose to see the darkness that was behind you. But Jesus makes all things new. And Isaiah 1 and 18 tells us that though our sins be as scarlet, God will wash them white as snow. So we don't have to worry about what others think about us young people. I've been there, and it's an awful time worrying about what is everybody going to think about me? What is, you know, even, even if you're struggling in the church, you know, what are, what are my worldly friends going to think about me if they find out that I'm going to church? And what are my youth group friends going to think about me if they find I'm hanging out with these people? What, what's the outcome of everything? And we get so caught up in worrying about people's opinions that we forget that God's opinions is that he can wash us white as snow. He can cleanse every mistake. He can cleanse every scar. He can step into every circumstance and make it new. There's no mistake. There's no problem. There's no place that you've come from. Maybe you came from nothing. Maybe your family doesn't have much. Maybe you, you've done the worst mistakes that you can possibly do. But that doesn't matter to God because he knows how to fix it. He knows how to deal with sin. He knows how to handle a problem. And is everybody familiar with the story of Peter walking on water? If you are, raise your hands. And if you're not, you're about to be. So the, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat. And I, I just want to talk about this to cover, you know, some mistakes that we make. But Jesus told them to get out in the boat. And he went up on a mountain and he prayed. And in the middle of the night, there came this, wild, it was this awful storm. The waves were huge. And these, these guys were fishermen. So this wasn't just an ordinary storm that they were, they were in. This was something that was, it was awful. It was catastrophic. It was life-threatening. And they recognized that because they were thinking, we've never been in storms like this. We've been in rough waters, but it's never been quite this bad. But all of a sudden, Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of the night. And the Bible says that he was going to pass them by in the storm. And let me tell you this, sometimes we... We get in a storm and we wonder why it seems like Jesus is just willing to pass us by. But he's not willing to pass us by, but rather he's walking in the storm with us in the midst of the night so we can call out to him. Jesus would have passed them by if they didn't call out to him because he knew that the storm was going to be okay, that they weren't going to perish, that he had a plan, but he was looking for an opportunity in the storm to step in and show his glory. So they recognized that, and, and Peter saw him, and he said, Lord, if that's you, let me come on the water with you. And, I, and I'm rushing through the story for the sake of time and to the point that I want to get to. And, and Jesus said, come, come on to the water. Jesus, at this point, he never stopped the waves. He never stopped the storm. He never pushed back the clouds. So Peter was stepping out into this impossible situation that I would not want to step out into. I don't know if you've ever been on a fishing boat, but if you have and you've seen rough waters, you know that that's not the first thing that you want to do is walk on water. You don't want to even attempt the water. You don't even want to swim in the water. But here Peter was believing that he was going to walk on water. And I, and I imagine that he was holding on the side of the boat like this and he's just kind of dipping his foot in to think, is this really going to work? Is, is, this, is this really going to be hard or, or is this water? Is this really true? And anyways, he ended up stepping on the boat and he, he found out that it was hard. And he, he began his walk towards Jesus. He began walking. And all of a sudden, his eyes got focused on the problem. They got, they got focused on the things that were around him. So he began to sink. 
And he, that was a mistake that he made because he started doubting Jesus because of the situation that he was in. And sometimes we get in a similar, a similar circumstance, especially now. We get in a, we're, you know, maybe in COVID we're doubting, is Jesus really in this? You know, maybe in your high school you're, you're having a problem and you're thinking, is Jesus really in this situation? Is this really real? And you begin to look at, at the problem. Before you know it, you're sunk in the water. But Jesus, that wasn't, God's not some mean, angry God that is just desiring to call us out into the impossible so he can watch us die. God's not this God that was making a joke saying, ha, huh, Peter, I called you off the water and I called you back onto the water now to watch you drown. That's not what Jesus wanted. God doesn't desire that the situations and the, and the sins and the doubt and the fears and the problems that we have, he doesn't desire that would drown us. He didn't call you, young person, to come and to fall and to leave you there. God isn't, isn't done with you. He's not given up yet. He's, and he'll never give up on you. All you need to do is be like Peter and say, Jesus, will you save me? Will you let me walk on the water once again? And we, you know, we always just talk about it up till Peter fell. We focus till he fell and made the mistake and we leave it there. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's how we are. We, we focus on the mistake and, and what happened. But after Jesus picked him back up, and after Jesus picks you back up out of your sin, out of your problem, out of your circumstance, young person, you're going to walk back on the water to the boat with Jesus. Jesus didn't just pick Peter up and throw him onto the boat. He didn't just pick Peter up and say, hey, I'll carry you. But I believe when he picked him up, he said, okay, Peter, hold my hand and walk with me. Hold my hand and see where I'm going to take you. Hold my hand and walk on the water again. The enemy will come and he'll try to tell us, you fell and God's done with you. You have a problem and God's done with you. But don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Don't even listen to the enemy about anything. The guy is a loser. I don't even like talking about the devil because it's not worth my time because he's such a loser. He backslid before backslide and was cool. Everybody was worshiping God when he did it. He, and he's like, no, I don't want to do this. The guy is a loser. He's nobody. He, he, he's nothing. But sometimes we let his, let his little voice get so big and, and we listen to that and we think, man, maybe God is done with me. Maybe God is truly finished with me. But God is not done with you just because you fell on the water. But let me tell you something tonight. Just because you fell, that does not disqualify you, but it qualifies you to be closer to him. Had of Peter never fell in the water, he would have just walked on the water looking at Jesus. But because Peter fell on the water, he fell in it. He was now closer to God than before he was walking. How does it work sometimes that when we fall, we get closer to God? That, that, that kind of seems like it's, it's the wrong way. Like I have to be doing all perfect and all good to get closer to God. But sometimes when we fall, it, it really shows us, hey, I'm human and I need him. And he's saying, yes, my child, come and walk with me on the water. God isn't, and maybe, maybe somebody in here tonight, you've, you've had a call of God on your life. And you've, you've messed up a little bit. You, you've been dabbling in some things that you shouldn't have. Maybe there's a young lady in here. You have a call to the music ministry. Or a young man in here. You have a call to the music ministry. Or a, a call to preach in young person. Maybe somebody in here has a call to start a P7 club. And that was your desire. But you begin to dabble in the wrong things. And you're thinking, well, God's done with me. God's finished with me. But let me tell you something tonight. That is not the case. Because God is desiring to pick you back up. He's desiring to hold you once again. And it's not just to restore salvation. It's not just to save you. But it's to restore your calling. 
to restore your purpose. Just because you messed up doesn't disqualify you. Like the preacher of, I believe it was Youth Explosion, said last year, God can handle your failure, but he cannot handle your forfeit. So don't just leave yourself to wade in the waters. Don't just leave yourself to, to try to fight the waters yourself, but get closer to God and say, God, will you save me? I believe there's a restoration that is going to happen in this place tonight. I believe God is looking to restore things. He's looking to fix things. He's looking to mend somebody's heart. And if we can just look at a story in Luke 17 and 13 to 19, I'm just going to tell the process of the story. There's 10 lepers. And I'm just giving these three examples just to just cover three different things to cover mistakes, to cover situations that aren't our, aren't our faults, to cover inward problems, to cover outward problems. I'm just, so, so forgive me and, and just walk through the word with me a little bit. But Jesus, he was walking into this town and, he, and I'm paraphrasing, but he found 10 lepers. And if you were in biblical times and you found 10 lepers, you were supposed to stay away. You were supposed to stay away from the problem. You were supposed to stay away from the circumstance. But that's not the type of God that we serve. He's looking to get involved with our problem. He's looking to get involved with our sin. He's looking to get involved with that because he knows he can change it. But he told them, you're cleansed, you're healed. Go and show yourself to the priest. And so ten lepers went and they were going to go show themselves to the priest that they were clean, that they were they, they were able to go back into society, that the, the leprosy was cured, that the problem was gone, the spots were gone. But then one had a change of mind. And he said, I wonder, and this is paraphrasing, this is just my James Bredan version of the Bible that I like to imagine. And I imagine he was thinking, I wonder what would happen if I go back to him. I wonder what would happen if, if, I, if I never went to the priest and I went back and thanked him for what he did. If I went back and worshipped him for what he did. So one leper went back and, and he thanked Jesus personally. He worshipped God personally for healing his sin, for healing his mistake, for healing and this, this isn't obviously what he said. It wasn't sin that caused leprosy, but I'm applying it to you. They went back to thank him. And the words of Jesus that I want to talk about right now, is when the leper went back to talk to him, he said, you are now made whole. Go your way. Nine lepers left that day being healed. And leprosy is, is a disease of the nerves. It causes things to rot. You'll, you'll lose limbs. You'll lose fingers. And those nine lepers, they probably went back with a missing hand. They probably went back with a missing finger. They probably went back with a missing ear or a missing foot. They went back with the stars. They went back with the, with the tail that they had leprosy. And they still had to go through the cleansing process. But this one leper was made whole. One out of ten was made whole because he went back. And I want to ask you tonight, young person, what do you want to be? Do you want to be healed of your problem and go through the cleansing process? Or do you want to be made whole? That leper who was made whole, you cannot tell that he had leprosy anymore. I imagine missing fingers drew back, missing limbs drew back, stars were fixed, and he, and he looked perfectly healthy and normal just as before he had leprosy. He was completely made whole. He didn't need to go to the priest because nobody was going to look at him and say, something's wrong with you. So I asked you tonight, young person, do you want to leave tonight being healed? Or do you want to leave tonight being made whole. There's one difference that will make a healing and a being made whole moment. You can pray and ask God, God heal me, and he will at an instant. It's easy to God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. There's nothing that's too hard for him. There's nothing that's too great for him. There's, there's no thing that challenges our God. 
But if you come back after you say, God, will you heal me? And he does it. And you begin to worship him and thank him. You can be made whole. You can be made complete once again. That means the memories and, and the stars that you have from the things that you've gone through will no longer bother you. I remember one time when I came back to God just to you know, prove that God can do this and he will do this. I would have nightmares from stuff that happened in the world. I, I, would, I would have dreams about it. And I was haunted. I was saying, and I, and I remember I prayed to God, God, you set me free. God, you delivered me from the things that I was involved in. You, you brought me out of that darkness, but I'm still suffering. And I told him, I said, God, I cannot continue like this and serve you. I can't continue walking in this road having nightmares and, having to, and being taunted every night when I go back to sleep that I, I continue to see images of things that have happened in the world and I continue to remember people that ha have passed. I remember there was this one dream that I, I always had and it would be my friends that, you know, due to circumstances that happened in the world, they were passed. They were dead. And I would have dreams of them. And, and they would be in the lake of fire. They would be in, that, in hell in the place of torment. And I would think, God, I need to reach them, but I can't. Because it's too late. And that would haunt me to the point that I would remember that I was the one who brought them into that lifestyle. That before me, they, they weren't interested in sin. They weren't interested in that. But I was the one who introduced them. And now they were gone and I was still here. And it taunted me and it haunted me. And I said, God, if you want me to continue serving you, I need to be made whole. I need to have these things erased. And after that, I, I felt a brush of the Holy Ghost just come into my room. And it, and it was probably at 1 or 2 in the morning after I woke up from a dream. And, and I just felt the peace of God come for me. And from that very moment, I was cleansed and I was made whole. Yes, I still have some scars from the past. Yes, I still have some memories from the past. And I'm thankful that I do because I can always remember what he brought me out of. But now I am made whole and there is no consequence for my sin anymore. I don't have dreams about the things that used to happen. I don't, I don't have dreams about my friends that, who have gone on before me and now they're in a place of torment. It does, I'm not no longer tormented by the enemy because of my sin. But I'm set free and made whole. And that's what God is desiring to do in this place tonight. You can be set free. You can be healed in this place. Or you can be completely made new and made whole. A preacher at my church, Brother Stott, to be exact, talked about it last week. We always talk about physical healings and miracles but not so much on the mental healings and miracles. And I feel in this place tonight that maybe God wants to do some physical things. If you need God to touch you, I see crutches over there, and God can heal you of whatever you're on crutches for. If there's other physical needs or, or diseases in this place or you, you have problems in your body, God can make you whole tonight. But more than that, God is interested in doing a work in somebody's mind. More than that, he's interested in stepping to, into somebody's heart, into a situation that you've had scars because of things that have happened to you in the past. You've had problems and issues sleeping at night because of, of things that you went through when you were a child. That You've, you've had thoughts of maybe, maybe and, I, and I rebuke this if anybody has in the name of Jesus, but maybe you're having thoughts of suicide because of the things that have happened to you. Or maybe you're Maybe you're hurting yourself in ways that you shouldn't be because of the things that are happening to you because you're being constantly tormented in your mind. And you can't escape from that. But God is interested in stepping in the hearts and minds of people in this place tonight and doing a miraculous work to completely set you free. So when you come out of this house, so when you come out of, out of this place of worship, you're no longer that same person who's bound by anxiety. You're no longer that same person who's bound by depression. You're no longer that same person who's bound by torment or bound by fear 
or bound by the things that ail you, but you are completely made whole. That when you step out of this building, maybe somebody in here has anxiety tonight. When you step out of this building, you can go out there and never feel that anxiety ever again. You can go out there and, and never ever worry about things that are happening again. You can be made whole tonight. And I feel the help of the Holy Ghost. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost in this place. That it's going to happen if we will but respond to his presence. God wants to heal people tonight. He wants to set people free in your mind. And maybe, maybe, and I just want to say something to somebody. I feel in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you think this service isn't for you because you're not a youth. But this service is for you. And God has come to set you free and make you whole tonight. If you will but stand and worship him at the moment you feel to, God will make you whole. Don't worry, and I don't want to look because there's somebody distinct in this place tonight that God is speaking to you, and you're not a youth, and, I, and God knows who you are. I won't point you out. I won't embarrass you, but God knows who you are, and you can be made whole in this place tonight. You may have come thinking that you don't belong here because this is a youth service, and you're a youth, but God can set you free tonight. There's healing in this place tonight. You may have some stars. And if our music could come back, you may have some stars of things that have happened in the past. I still have the star, I don't know, 17 or 18 years since I fell on my head as a kid. You may still have some stars, but you can rejoice in the fact that you're still here. You can have joy in the fact that even though the devil came against me, even though hell tried to cause me to fall, hell planned stuff that was bad, but God meant it for good. And you still have the stars, but you have the testimony that devil, I'm still here. Devil, you never took me down. Devil, you're not going to make me fall. Devil, you may have left your mark, but God has healed me and he has restored everything in my life. You can rejoice in the fact that you are set free tonight. You can rejoice in the fact that you are made whole tonight. You don't have to worry about the stars and what people think of you anymore. You don't have to worry. Oh, well, I got marks on my body. Oh, well, I got holes in my ears. Oh, well, I, I don't fit into this place. Because nobody God calls fits in we're called to stand out we're called to be weird we're called to look different and if it's those stars that set you apart if it's those things that hurt you when you passed maybe somebody did something to you when you were a child and God forbid this is the case for somebody but I just feel God just working in me to say it but if somebody did something to you when you were a child and you have problems with getting over the fact of the things that have happened and you're worried because you don't think anybody will love you the same. You're worried because you don't think that anybody will ever look at you the same. God has come tonight to make you whole. He has come tonight to meet every need in your mind. And you no longer have to worry about what, who and what loves you. Because the Lord our God loves you. And he has called you and he has chosen you. And he has anointed you to go forth and show the praises of his marvelous light. God is in this place tonight if we could all stand around this building. Maybe we can't have an altar call because of COVID. Maybe we all can't line up in the front. But you don't have to line up here and receive prayer for God to touch you. We often think, oh, well, I can't lay hands on anybody anymore. Well, I, I can't pray for anybody anymore, so I can't be healed. I can't, I can't work the way I used to anymore but they may have restrictions on us as people 
but they have no restrictions on the nail-starred hands of Jesus Christ reaching down in this room and setting somebody completely free. Nobody can restrict the God that we serve. The only person that can stop God from touching you tonight is you. I got, I got news for you. Peter would have died in the water if he would have not called out and said, God, save me. If he would have said, hey, I'm fine in the water. I'm fine in my problem. I'm fine in my circumstance. He would have died in that water. You can either stay where you're at tonight. And I, and I don't want to speak this over to somebody tonight, but trust me when I say this, because I've been there and I've done that. But you think that you're hiding things from people and nobody knows the circumstance or the waters that you're facing. And maybe they don't, but God does. Maybe nobody else knows what you're doing in your spare time. They don't see the waters that you're in, but God does. And if you refuse to call out tonight, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to let him heal you. He's not going to force you to let him set you free. If you want to stay in your problem, it took me a long time when I was in the world to realize that God wanted me out of the problem that I was in. And it took even longer for me to realize that I have to call out to him. I had to reach out to him. He already reached out to me by going to the cross. He already reached out to me. Multiple youth events that I was in, multiple services that I was in, I felt the call of God and I, and I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost, but I chose to stay in the situation that I was in. Maybe there were times that I said I want out, but I chose to stay there. And it held me captive for a very long time. And as I close, we're, we're about to pray and, and turn this whole place into an altar. And the hand of God is about to step into this place. God is about to do a work in somebody's life. He's about to move into somebody's life. But it's going to have to take a realization that, hey, I need God. It took me a lot of dark, lonely nights. And I, I won't get into the problems that I was in because I just want to glorify God and, His, and who He is and not the past. But I was, in one, I was in another place in Canada and there was a situation that happened and I, and, and I found myself running from things and, and running from people and I found myself on this couch and I, and I prayed and I said, God, I'm the kid who said I never touch alcohol. I'm the kid who said I would never fight. I'm the kid who said I would never do drugs. I would never party. I would never do the things of this world. But here I am in trouble, God. Here I am, and if you don't touch me, God, I'm going to die. If you don't touch me, uh, there's nothing left for me. If God didn't pull me out then, I can, I can tell you with 100% certainty that the only two options for me were prison or death. But God said, I see you in the problem that you're in, James. I'm going to reach into that problem. And I just want to pray tonight and, and as they lead in song, I, I just want to say a prayer over you guys. I want to uh, pray a prayer of faith. I want to pray a prayer of deliverance. I want to pray a prayer of healing. And not only do I want me to pray it. It's great if my faith in God is good that He can set you free. But I want your faith in God to be more than my faith. I sat in your shoes many times wondering if God can truly change me. If God can truly set me free. Wondering can God actually change my life young people if I only took the opportunity that you have tonight maybe some of my friends would not be lost 
maybe I wouldn't have so many stars. And let me tell you something tonight. If somebody, you're dabbling on the edge of the world, the pleasures of sin will be fun for a season. You'll have a good time when you first start. And I hope this is okay to our youth team. But I just want to be real. Because I heard it time and time before, but I never took it serious. But the pleasures of sin may be fun for a season. And I don't know who in here needs this. But after that season is done, you become a slave. I had fun. I'll admit it. When I first went into the world, I had fun. I thought it was awesome. I thought, man, none of those church people like me anyways. I'm better off out here. It was fun at first. But then there became a time where it was no longer fun. But I was walking down the street, turning my head, thinking, who is going to be next? Who is going to die next? Who is going to want me next? Who is going to come after me next? What problem is going to come on me next? And I became a slave to those problems. There's people in here tonight that God wants to set you free. And that person that I spoke about earlier, I just want to re-elaborate because I feel in the Holy Ghost. God wants to set you free tonight. He wants to make you whole tonight. You can go back home and not have to worry about anything that happened before. And young person, you can be changed in here tonight. And I, and, I, and I feel the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I feel like it's time to pray, young people. And let me share this. To, I, I didn't want to share it, but I can't, I can't get it off my mind. The harsh reality of it is. And let me tell you the thing that motivates me now without being too emotional. And I don't want to scare anybody because I, I, God forbid this happened to you. But there's people that when I was in high school with, I remember them asking me in times that we were in detention, James, do you still go to church? I said, no, I don't believe in God anymore. And they're dead. I remember last summer I went home after my second year of Bible school and I had friends that I wanted to reach. One died, one broke his neck, one lost his leg. What would have happened if I would have reached out, young people? I don't want to scare anybody tonight. But the reality is, is that if you don't want it for yourself. If you don't want this for yourself, I feel bad for you. But what about your friends that watch you? I remember my best friend as a child. When we were growing up, he'd always look at me in the church. He wouldn't go to church if I never went to church. He would go to church if I was at church. I didn't want him to get into drugs. I didn't want him to get into the things of the world. But eventually there came a point where I was the one who introduced him to it. And now I'm here, and he wants nothing to do with God. And I ask you tonight, what about the others? Maybe, and I, I feel this is for somebody, you're completely whole. You don't have problems. That's okay. That's great. God bless you. That's awesome. I'm happy. But what about the people out there that have problems? What about the world that's in darkness that has problems? What about them? And young men, young women, who will tell them if you don't? Who's going to share Jesus Christ the one who loves you, the one who cares for you, with them if you don't. So with every hand raised, I feel God is ready to do a work. And with every voice raised unto God, I believe 
when we pray and I, I, I feel the unction, I, I feel my help coming, but I believe that when we pray, the Holy Ghost is going to sweep through this place. And don't worry about how you sound. Don't worry about how loud you get, but just worship Him and He's going to make you whole. Lord, we come before you tonight, God. We're thankful for what you're doing, Lord. We're thankful for how you're moving, God. Oh, Lord, I pray that your anointing that I feel will just sweep across this auditorium, will just sweep across this chapel, oh, God, that your train will fill this temple, that your holy presence will come down, oh, God. I speak the word of faith over anybody who has a mental problem in here tonight, oh, God. I rebuke any anxiety in the name of Jesus. I rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. I rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing over people's minds. I speak healing over people's hearts. I speak healing. And God, I speak that you are going to make somebody whole tonight. I speak it in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. At that name, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess of things of heaven and earth, oh God. So I speak the name of Jesus over every young person's life tonight. I speak the name of Jesus over every adult's life tonight. I speak the name of Jesus, the name that crushes the yokes of bondage, the name that breaks sin, the name that sets the captive free, the name that cleanses. Oh God, I pray that you will make everything white as snow tonight. I pray that you will begin to set people free, that you will begin to do a work that only you can do. If we could just continue in worship tonight for a minute, if we could just continue as they lead us in a song of worship unto God, you will be made whole when you praise Him. You will be made whole when you find yourself at a place of worship for Him. If you have a physical need tonight, you can be healed in the name of Jesus. We may not be able to lay hands on you, but you can represent it by an upraised hand to God and say, Lord, I want to be set free. Lord, I want to be healed. I want to be completely whole. If you will just sing as with them as they sing unto God. 